Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on May 15, 2022. We've been studying the Gospel of Luke, and for three weeks we have studied strong words from Jesus. Love your enemies, pray for your enemies, blessed are the poor, rejoice when you're hated. If you say, Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say, then you're a hypocrite. These are powerful words that Jesus gave us, and I don't want us to forget them. But today we're moving on into Luke chapter 7, and we're going to look at the story of two incredible miracles. Now, I want you to know the stories, but I really want you to know more what they tell us about Jesus and about God, therefore, because the lessons about Jesus are even more important than knowing the stories themselves. And so I really want you to know two, two important characteristics of Jesus today. I want them ingrained on your heart and your mind to the point where you know them, they are part of you, you are convinced these things are true, because if you know and live by both of them, it will change how you relate to God. If you only know one or the other, not so much. You need to know both of these things. And I also want you to know and see in this story three things that Jesus values in us. What does Jesus want to see in me? What does Jesus want to see in you? What does Jesus want to see in Avondale Baptist Church? And I want us to know these things and build them into our lives. So the two stories, incredible ones, two miracles one after the other that Luke shared with us there in Luke chapter 7 verses 1 through 17. Let's stand together as we read. Here's how it reads. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, that's the sermon that we read in chapter 6, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. 
Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. You may be seated. As you can tell just from the reading of that, these are two incredibly great miracles, very typical of the miracles that Jesus did when he walked the earth. And I want you to understand the stories before we learn lessons from them. And so the first of these two miracles was a healing of a servant, the servant or slave of a centurion. Now, a centurion was not a Jew. He was a leader of Roman soldiers, in today's terms, a non-commissioned officer. This centurion was not a Jew, but he had earned the respect of the Jews because he cared for them and he built their synagogue. And by the way, I show you pictures sometimes because I want you to know this is real history. This is a reconstructed synagogue built on the very site of the one that the centurion built. This one is from the 4th century, but it's built on the ruins of one built in the 1st century. And so you can go back in history and realize, listen, and I want you always to know this, the Bible is true, it is real, it is based on real events, places, times, and things, and so you can go back in archaeology, in this case, confirms this particular story. The centurion cared deeply enough for his servant that he sent some Jewish friends to ask Jesus to heal him. He, he showed incredible love to the servant. He showed incredible humility in his attitude towards Jesus. And he had real faith that Jesus could do what he asked him to do, even without a visit by Jesus to the servant. So that's kind of the heart of that story. And the second one is the healing of the only son of a widow in the town of Nain. By the way, Nain, which may be spelled a little differently on your maps today, still exists as a predominantly Arab town. Notice in this case, Jesus wasn't asked to raise him. Jesus simply saw the widow and her dead son. And immediately it says his heart went out to her and he had compassion. And he raised him to life and then presented the son to the mother. Now, those are the events. That's what happened. I want us to think about what do these miracles tell us about Jesus? And I really want you to know this as much as I want you to know the story. And the first thing that I want you to know about Jesus is that Jesus is incredibly powerful. That's why Luke told these stories. Because he wanted us to know that Jesus had power that could only come from God. No one else, not then and not now, could do the things that Jesus did. For the first miracle, he healed a man without even seeing him. There was no prayer. 
There was no anointing of oil. There was no laying on of hands. There was no fasting. There was no call to come forward for healing. There was no healing service or preaching service, no candles, no religious ceremony of any kind was needed. It was just done by Jesus. That's incredible power. And in the second miracle, even more than that, he raised someone from the dead. He saw, he had compassion, he encouraged the mom, he told the dead man to get up, and he got up. Again, I want you to notice that there was no prayer, no anointing, no laying on of hands, no religious ceremony of any kind. This was just a command to get up, and he got up. We have made huge medical strides in the 2,000 years since the time of Jesus but apart from the power of God, one thing has not changed. Once you're dead, you're dead. Once you're dead, you're dead, except for the power of God that Jesus showed here. Now, humanly speaking, I know, bringing someone back from the dead, humanly speaking, that's hard to believe. But Jesus raising people from the dead is in all four Gospels. You'll find stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you'll find these stories in history. I want to tell you about a man named Quadratus. We don't know much about him, but he wrote a book in the century right after Jesus called The Defense of Christianity, and he dedicated it and sent it to the Roman Emperor Hadrian in the year 125. This is just less than a century after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. And in this defense of Christianity, which we don't have in whole, we only have quotations from what he said, he tells Hadrian this. He said, the persons who were healed and those who were raised from the dead by Jesus were not only seen when they were healed and raised, but were always present also afterwards. And not merely during the time that the Savior walked upon the earth, but after his departure also, they were still there for a considerable time, so that some of them lived even until our times. So think what he was telling Hadrian. Hey, these are not just stories in the Bible. This young man, Lazarus, and others who were raised for the dead lived for many, many years afterwards, and some of them were still alive and walking the earth, Adrian, when you and I were walking the earth. Do, do the math, and you can see that this young man was probably about 40 or 50 when Quadratus and Hadrian were born, and so he said, do you understand what I'm telling you? In writing in defense of Christianity, I, I tell you, I met some of these people. I talked to some of these people. They were raised by Jesus from the dead. Jesus is incredibly powerful. And that is the first lesson from these two miracles. The second is he is also incredibly loving. I, I love this second story because Jesus was not asked to raise the son of a widow. Probably nobody even thought that was a possibility. And so he wasn't asked. But as he approached the town of Nain, he saw the funeral procession. Tradition would put the parents and the siblings of the dead person 
in front of the procession, followed by, in this case, the open casket and the crowd. And so just as Jesus even walked up into the town without any advance notice from God, which God might have given him, he could see just the mom. She has no husband. She has no other children. She is by herself. And immediately it says, his heart went out to her. And he raised her son to life in the middle of a funeral. How many funerals have you been to? Has it ever happened? I mean, I told you, I've been to 500 plus funerals. I'm getting tired of funerals, by the way. Stop dying, okay? No, don't stop dying, because then you get to go to heaven with Jesus. Okay, okay. But my standard line, I tell you this all the time, when, when I get home and my wife or my daughter or my children ask, how is the funeral? I said, I don't know, they're still dead. This case, he wasn't still dead. Jesus raised him from the dead because Jesus loved and had compassion on the widow. It shows Jesus' heart. It shows his compassion. It shows that he is not calloused by pain and suffering. His heart still goes out to hurting people. And I want you to understand this, and I want you to take it to heart, and I want you to live this way. When you hurt, Jesus hurts. You often hear the saying, even the songs, there are no tears in heaven. I think that's true for us. I don't think it's true for Jesus. Because when we hurt, he hurts. Now, listen, you need to know both of these things and put them together to really understand the heart of Jesus and for Jesus to make an impact on your life. You need to know that he is powerful and that he is loving. If you only think of God as powerful, then you see him as a creator who made the universe, but who doesn't particularly care about you, or maybe not doesn't even know who you are, and certainly isn't concerned about your hearts and your issues. If you see God as only power, it's all power, no heart. Kind of like an artificial intelligence in the sky. That is not a complete picture of God. He is powerful. And so you have to put that together with the fact that God is powerful and God is loving. Now listen, if you make the other mistake, if you think of God as only loving but not powerful, then you're going to kind of see him like we might look at a Labrador puppy. Loving and excited to see you but without the power to change the issues in your life. And so he can offer sympathy and nothing more. All heart, no power. you got to put the two together for God to have a real impact on your life. He is all power, all heart. And if you believe both, that he is powerful and loving, then and only then, are you going to want to walk with him, believe in him, pray to him, talk to him, and call on him constantly, knowing that he has the heart to love you, to be concerned about the things you're concerned about, to hurt when you hurt, and he has the power to change it? You've you got to believe both. And I've talked to people who believe